0: this sabbath we are focusing hard on the sabbath so we're here this morning we were here last night thinking about the sabbath gonna be back at 3 p.m bonnie steinbrenner is gonna share bonnie is an excellent student and she's been studying really hard about the sabbath in history she's gonna share her study at 3 p.m then we have pastor adrian neshu he's a pastor over at wasilla and i appreciate him so much And he's going to come and share with us at 7 p.m. about the Sabbath and prophecy, which is so relevant right now in our world. So we have a full Sabbath about the Sabbath. And then we're not going to stop there. So before I share the message, I want to just cast a vision for what the next five weeks could be in our church family. We're going to be focused on the Sabbath hard today, but then in the service for five weeks after today. We're going to be going through a journey called Sabbath Worth Keeping. And I'm using the word journey because I don't want to just call it a sermon series. A journey is something that moves you from where you are to another place. And that's what I hope. I hope that God moves among us in our Sabbath experience, which is key to our spiritual life, that he would actually take us from where we are, which I hope is a good place, and he'd take us to another place that he's prepared for us that's closer to him and more fulfilling, I hope the next five weeks we could look back on and we could see that this this time in the history of our church forever shifted the way we experience Sabbath. It may be different for each one of us, but that's a pretty high goal, but I hope that we can bring our spiritual selves and spiritual attention to this in a way that we let God do a work that we will look back on and say, that, that was a change right there. I, I don't approach this the same anymore. Sabbath is a beautiful gift. So that's what we're going to be doing for five weeks. A couple ways I'd like you to make this more than a sermon series. You guys recognize our Tell Me More wall out there? So, that has been hijacked by Sabbath Worth Keeping. We want to use that tell me more wall for you to tell us more about the Sabbath. So, you'll see right on the center a a picture that I put up on that wall. And it says, share your memories, share your resources. Maybe you've read a book about the Sabbath. Maybe you know of, of a YouTube channel about the Sabbath. Maybe you heard a report on the news about the Sabbath. Share your resources, share your ideas, things you do as traditions and rituals, and just cover with sticky notes all over that wall Sabbath ideas and thoughts. So that someone else might come up to that board and realize, oh wow, that is a great idea. Also, we're gonna be going through the study and maybe something will come to mind. I'm gonna have reflection questions, and you could share your responses right there. Another way to do that online, so I, I have a web page and I used to have comments on the bottom but they get flooded with people saying crazy things. And so I took them off. But there is a video of what I'm saying right now, going to be on YouTube, and below it, it has a comment section. And those don't get flooded too bad. So if you have something to share that adds to this study we're going to do in just a minute about Sabbath rest, take a little time and go on there and say, hey, I read this article about Sabbath rest, so that other people might see that article. Or we have this family tradition about Sabbath rest, and it could make it a, an actual community experience for us. So I want you to follow, be able to follow along, and if you're just someone who likes to listen, that's great, I'm gonna talk. But if you're someone who likes to take notes, we've prepared a study guide, and it's, it's pretty thorough. Um, it just about wiped me out this week. It's 35 pages, so it's, it says most everything I'm saying in the next five weeks, and you can follow along. So the studies are here, and then you can follow along and write in notes. And we handed these out last night, and we didn't have enough to give everyone, but there's about 25 stacked at the Tell Me More wall, and you can grab some. And see, things become more valuable when the resource is scarce. So I'm thinking, I want all of them to go away, so that some of you have to wait till next week to get yours. We'll make more, but take one of these. If you don't take notes, don't take it, but if you appreciate and you say, hey, I heard some things, and I want to go back and review, it's probably going to be in here, and you can follow along that way. And if you have them, you can follow along with the message right now. Another way that I'd love for you to use these, you'll notice there'll be some verses I fly by. You'll see them on the screen, or you'll hear me mention them, and we won't study them. So there's way more you can study than we're going to cover on Sabbath morning. Maybe, maybe you want to start a small group of you and a few friends on a Friday evening, and you take this, and you review the past week, and you share how you're growing. Maybe you want to, meet Sabbath after church with some people and run through these things and reflect on the reflection questions. Maybe look at some of the verses you didn't get to look at deep in the sermon. Um, If you don't want to start a group, come on Wednesday night. We have prayer meeting and I'm going to be leading in prayer meeting and we're going to be just taking this right here. So, today for the service, we're talking about Sabbath rest. This Wednesday for prayer meeting we're going to be reviewing Sabbath rest. Hearing thoughts and praying together and digging into things we didn't have time for. I would love For this to be more than a sermon series, I'd love for it to be a community spiritual growth experience. What do you say? And we're going to start with a Sabbath practice that's probably the most obvious, and that is rest. Start with rest. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I don't know the personal life of everyone here, but I know they need rest. And I guess they're probably weary. And I pray that you would speak to us. We sang a song about ancient words, and I pray that they would impart to us today. That there would be a spiritual interaction here where heaven actually speaks to our hearts. And that you'd open our eyes to see the rest you've given, specifically in the Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to teach you some bad words. I learned three of them recently. Three bad words. You probably don't know them, but they're bad words. And they're on the screen right there. There's some bad words. So here's what they are in English. Uh, so the top one is Japanese, and it is kar- karoshi. I don't know if I'm saying them right, but the top one's Japanese. The the next one down is Chinese, and it's gulasi. And the bottom one, see these other ones, I know that they're true because I found them on the internet. But uh, <laughs> you know, so I typed it in and I said Japanese writing and it came up. The one in South Korean, it never came up in the South Korean letters, so I just found an online South Korean keyboard and typed it in. So if you speak South Korean or Korean, you could correct me on this one. But it is Quarosa. the reason they're bad words is, is because of what they mean so all of these words are recent additions to their language's vocabulary recently making it in in the, in the past few decades in their dictionary and they all mean death by overwork those are bad words so, so just think of the societal condition that required us to come up with these words. We didn't need these words in centuries past, but now we actually have a reality that we didn't have a word for. And we have to put a word to it because there are people working themselves until they just suddenly, mid-work, drop dead or have a heart attack or stop functioning because their brain won't keep going. I've read, as I've read about these words, I've read story after story of these things happening. What does it say about our society when we have to have words like this? They're bad words. And what it tells us is that there is a God of wisdom who saw that at the creation of humanity, and he never wanted us to have to use a word like that. And he gave us this gift of rest. I'm guilty of overwork. I push myself too hard. And we're in a society that is now at a place these words do not refer to forced labor. It's not like a slave was forced with a whip to work so hard. These are people choosing a lifestyle that lacks rest to the point where their body stops functioning. That's physical. And then there's the spiritual. And the danger with the spiritual is we actually don't drop over dead, something dies inside and we can't detect it with vital signs, and so we could actually keep on going in the physical body, having exhausted ourselves spiritually for years. So we have a condition. (laughs) We are workaholics. And here's the thing about work. You could actually be lazy and still never rest. Work just doesn't doesn't just mean that you made a lot of money or you got a lot done. It is this inability for us to shut down and actually enter in to rest. Sabbath does these both these things. We're gonna focus on um <laughs> We're gonna focus on what we rest from on the Sabbath and what we rest in. So this picture is, is a confession picture of mine. Um, yeah, I came into this Sabbath like a runner comes into home plate and slides and barely makes it safe because I've been working on this, this content for the Sabbath journey, and those notes are a fraction of the papers I've been scribbling on for months as I've been opening my Bible and asking God to show me what he has to say about the Sabbath, and I have literally buried myself in notes and realizing that I can even be guilty of overwork on the Sabbath by preparing content about not working on the Sabbath. (laughs) It's possible. No matter what your work is, we can bury ourselves in this stuff and make rest such a scarce and needed thing. So we're going to think very simply about two things. What do we rest from on the Sabbath? And what do we rest in? And they're both important. Resting from and resting in. Well, the first one's pretty easy. When you go through Scripture, the the major category of what you rest in is work. Right. right? Six days, you can work. Seventh, do not work. Or labor, you might use that word. But the, the major category is work, and you'll find it all throughout Scripture. We rest from work. This is Exodus 31, and it's... Uh, We're going to see both these angles in Exodus 31. We're going to see what we rest from and what we rest in. Last night, we read this, and then we're going to keep going on a little bit more. So, in Exodus 31, we're at the end of the Ten Commandments we're given in Exodus 20. God gives all these commands, and then he shows up in Exodus 31, and he says, Hey, above all, see these words, above all, You shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So this is sounding really good so far. He's saying, I've told you all these important things. There's something so important. Just above all, know this. And then, it doesn't sound so good. It says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, so that's the prohibition is any work. That soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. Holy to the Lord, whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. I want you to notice two words repeated in this text work, don't work, and death, repeated twice. There's a biblical death penalty. For working on the Sabbath. In another place, in Numbers, they're told not to gather things on the Sabbath. And they find somebody in their camp doing a terrible thing. He was gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And they, they, pray, they ask, what do we do? And it's God who intervenes and says, here's what you do. You must stone this one. I mean, he was gathering sticks. Pretty offensive thing. So when I read these things, a death penalty, I think, hold on, here's a God of love who made a thing of love this rest, and now we have a death penalty if you don't follow it. And so right away, I don't want to explain away all the hard things of God. It's okay if some of scripture makes you uncomfortable and you don't have good answers, but I do think there are some answers. So without trying to answer everything, we know the the New Testament in several places gives us an interpretive tool for the Old Testament. It says all these things happened as examples for us to learn, right? So they actually happened. (laughs) These were real stories and they're also God graciously giving examples and inspiring prophets to write them down so we have an example. And I think That even though this was a real story, I think the Sabbath death penalty is a prophetic example. I think God is highlighting a couple extreme scenarios in the Old Testament where he wanted us to read that and realize that it is prophetic. He is telling us what will happen if we do not rest. You will, remember that word, karushi, you will kill yourself. So the death penalty was not, I think it was a punitive, real thing that they dealt with. I think the real spiritual intent of God doing that was so generations to follow would realize, if I refuse God's rest long enough, the result is I will actually die. I will work myself to death. And I think that's what we're supposed to see right there is, my spiritual life doesn't go on long when I ignore Sabbath. And my physical life will probably be shortened significantly if I do not let God welcome rest, welcome the rest that God has for me. So we have these overarching theme of work. Now, the the Jewish tradition they they are overachievers in um, in finding other prohibitions. <laughs> so they took they have taken work. And they found 39 other subcategories under work. And those subcategories have lengthy lists under them that include all kinds of things you aren't supposed to do on the Sabbath. As I read the Bible, there actually are other prohibitions. The ones that I could find that didn't overlap, you know, just just a single way of saying the things I found is the, the Bible says, don't buy or sell, don't carry a burden, don't kindle, kindle a fire, and don't go out from your place. He said that when they're ga- gathering manna and quail, and it's been interpreted as, as travel. So there are some specific things of work that the Bible highlights as things not to do. I just want you to notice, recognizing that there is a big list of 39, and in your Sabbath tradition there might be another list, right? Don't go past your ankles or your knees or whatever it is. I just want you to notice that the biblical prohibitions, though they're there, pretty short list. The other thing we notice from the prohibitions is it doesn't give me anything to dogmatically uh, decide who's right and wrong and exactly how I should do it. They are reminders that this prohibition of work should be applied to life. It is broad and actually matters in your practical life. That's why it says, you know, don't gather wood. It's because this Call to rest actually should be played out in our Sabbath practice. Here's what I gain from these prohibitions. I don't want to go and make a list because I'm going to make the wrong list. And it's just going to be a, a burden to me. And then in trying not to have a burden on the Sabbath, I'm going to create a burden on Sabbath. What I want to recognize from the prohibition of work and all these specific ones is God actually really wants us to take it seriously. He wants us to shut some things down on Sabbath. He wants us to put some things away on Sabbath. He wants us our heart rate to go down and for us to rest from some things on Sabbath. So as we reflect on resting from I just want to ask you what do you need rest from? And it might not be work. <laughs> There may be something your heart needs rest from that is not getting rest right now. Like actually while I'm talking, you're distracted with that stress in in your mind right now, thinking about that thing. So what do you need rest from? Well, I think the Sabbath experience God wants to give you is to give you rest from that thing right now. And then why do you think God wants us to rest? Well, it could be because he's trying to cut our hours or steal our fun. But... Do you remember, you remember being in third grade? Do you remember doing math? Did you love it? When your teacher said it's time to go to recess, was that punishment? I think the heart of God in giving the Sabbath, it is not about restricting us from the things we want to do. He's giving us recess. He's saying life is hard, and you've been burdened with all these things. The heart of God in rest is to let us Stop from some of those hard things so we can find life in him. I want to also notice that the things he's calling us to rest from are good things. You know that work is good. Actually, God gave six days to do it. And I think this could help us because sometimes we might approach Sabbath as if the rest we're called to do is, uh, that's the one day out of the week that I'm supposed to put away the sinful things. Sabbath is a day to rest from all the bad things. Well, no, work is a good thing. So what good things do you need to rest from? Sabbath is not just, like, I'm going to live six days enjoying raunchy music, but on the Sabbath I can only listen to Sabbath music because that's the day I have to be holy. That's not what Sabbath rest is. Sabbath is, God wants your whole life to be holy. You know that? He actually wants all seven days to be filled with holy things and right living and pure thoughts, Sabbath is not just a rest from bad things, it's actually a rest from any good thing that is competing in your heart for God's attention and love. It is resting from good things so that you can be focused on the right things. So, that's first half of the message. What do you need to rest from? I invite you to take that question really seriously. There are things killing you. And you need to set some boundaries and say, at least these 24 hours, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to put those things down because I want to live a healthy life. There's something you need rest from today and you need to do it. You need to take that thing to God and say, I can't bear this burden today. I need rest from that thing. And then we come to the more exciting part. What do we rest in so what we rest from is important, but it's only a means to an end. We rest from things in order to rest in the right thing. And what we rest in is, is where I get really excited because it's, it's kind of easy to not clock into work and then just not rest. <laughs> so what I want to discover now is on Sabbath, what am I actually called to rest in? And we have that back, back to Exodus 31. So it just had the death penalty. And then we, as we go on to the next two verses, so that was verse 15 we ended on. So verse 16 and 17 say this, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations, as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven... It made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. I just paused when I read that verse the first time, because to that point in the Bible, as you read through, you've actually already read that God rested. You saw it in Genesis 2. um, You've seen it a few times in Exodus, but this is a first. That word right there. That's the first time I read that one, and it's the only time you do read that one about God, God rested on the seventh day and was refreshed. So he rested from his work. That was the first half of the message. What do we rest in or from? But now what do we rest in? Well, God actually found something that refreshed him. And it's not like God has a problem being fresh. He doesn't get weary. But something about the Sabbath refreshed him. So I've been sharing words. I gave you three bad words. I'm going to share with you two good words. And they look like this. So, that word refreshed, here's the two good words. Makes about as much sense as the three bad words, right? This is the word used for refreshed. It's the verb, nafesh. Nafash. And this is the noun, nefesh. So, this is the word used in Exodus 31 17. And God rested and was refreshed. It's used. Four times in Scripture. (laughs) That's not very many. Two times is used to talk about people being refreshed on the Sabbath. One was God being refreshed. One was the guest, the the alien or stranger within your gates. We should keep the Sabbath in a way that actually refreshes people around us. The other time is used um, when there's some, some battle and travel and the people rested, so they actually physically were refreshed. And the fourth time, doesn't use the word refresh, it's the same word, but it's not translated refreshed. So I want to see if you can spot it. So this is the word nafash. Three times in scripture it's translated refresh and the fourth time it says this, and this is um, don't have it on the screen, but Joshua 11, I'm going to read verse 12 and 14. So listen for the word in this refreshing text, and you'll scratch your head. It says, And the cities of those kings and all the kings Joshua captured and struck them with the edge of a sword, devoting them to destruction, just as Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. But none of the cities that stood on the mounds of Israel burned, except Hazor alone that Joshua burned. And all the spoil of these cities and all the livestock and the people of Israel took their plunder. But every person... They struck with the edge of the sword, or the sword, until they destroyed them. And they did not leave anyone who breathed. Did you hear it? Where is refreshing in that verse right there? So it was actually the very last word. It was translated breathed. So the, the word, the verb, refresh, can also mean to breathe following me? The word nefesh can also mean to breathe. I want you to try it. Take a deep breath. And let it out. Do it again. Do it again. So I'm I'm not a medical expert, but I hear that's really good for you. So when it says that God rested from his work and was refreshed he was refreshed in the way that a deep breath refreshes you now we're going to think about breath for a minute breathing is to your body what sabbath is to your soul there's a rhythm of inhaling and exhaling and you actually have to have it there is output and input And if you stop either one of those, your body will fail. And Sabbath is that to your soul. And just think about God being refreshed as a deep breath. How did God create? Yeah, with a word. To project a word. God spoke, and it was. To project a word requires a physical exhale. Try to talk inhaling. It just sounds weird. So it required an exhale of God's breath. And then he came to man, and how did he create Adam? He took dust of the ground, and he exhaled. God created, for six days, God created with an exhale. Output production and then the sabbath was one big deep inhale god was taking a deep breath and he created us for that pattern he actually created us to have output and then he created us to have input so i said there's a second word and that's the noun form of the same word and that surprisingly is the word soul now Am I really confusing with the Hebrew? So refresh was to breathe. And the noun form of it is the word, a very common word in Scripture, for soul. In fact, it happens in Genesis 1 when it's talking about living creatures. They were living souls. It means soul, being, life, person, emotion, all these things that are like the core of what someone is, right? So again, not a medical expert, but I understand that that thing we need when we breathe in is oxygen, right? So you can inhale other things, but they'll kill you. (laughs) So oxygen is actually the thing that you need for your body to have life, and it does something. The miracle of life, you breathe that in, and it brings life to all the right places. It goes in your blood, and then it goes out to your fingers, and all these things. They need that thing, right? So when we inhale, this nafesh is the soul, or life, or the very being. We are breathing in. This is what I think the Bible is communicating. I think that when we breathe in, when we take a deep spiritual breath, we're actually breathing in life. Like the very thing that makes me a living soul, that breath of life God put in me, I think God intended the Sabbath to be a deep breath of life. And then my spiritual self, just like my fingers need the blood and my oxygen, my spiritual self says, oh, I needed that thing. So imagine what happens if you spiritually hold your breath like if you just go week to week or day to day and you don't inhale like there's a word for not breathing suffocation and that that's a terribly scary physical experience and that's why sabbath is so beautiful because we live in that terribly scary spiritual experience of overwork and our bodies need an inhale And we're spiritually suffocating. So think of it this way. If you've ever had an experience in water that didn't go well, um, been underwater and need to breathe, that is a panicky feeling, isn't it? Like you could, you can exhale until there's nothing to exhale. Then if you inhale, your lungs will fill with water. So if you've ever had that experience, think of that. If you've never had that experience, imagine, you're underwater, maybe you're trapped under something, maybe you're pulled down, maybe you can't swim, and that moment when you get enough strength or the right thing happens, and you're able to surface. And what happens, I mean, you just gasp, right? When you surface, you're just, I need this thing so bad. And with that illustration in mind, recognize that the Sabbath is a spiritual surfacing, You have all this pressure in your life. You have all these things pushing you. And with the Sabbath, we are surfacing from that, and we are gasping for spiritual air. Man, if that was what I believed it was, I would not miss a Sabbath rest opportunity. I would open my mouth wide, and I would suck it in, and I'd say, I need what you have for me, Jesus. Sabbath is like breathing. And we have a God who's, who's patterned that for us. He's shown that to us. We need these things. So this should make it perfectly clear right here. Um, there's bad things and good things, and that's the message for today. So on one side we have we have death by overwork, and on the other side we have life by resting in God. Man, God knew what He's doing when he created us for patterns of output and input. He wants us to give out, but he wants us to receive. He wants us to do that every day, but Sabbath is a day especially designed by him to pour out spiritual oxygen. So if I was a spiritual doctor and I looked at my life, or maybe your life, I might, uh, I might prescribe a, a spiritual CPAP machine something that you could put on your face and provide you with oxygen because the thing is that that our condition is that we our symptoms spiritually are shortness of breath and you know maybe some asthma and we come to sabbath like we have sleep apnea so we might be in church just like you might be in bed you might be Praying and listening to sermons, just like you might try to close your eyes, but something happens in some people's sleep experience where their body just stops breathing. Like, they're sleeping, but their sleep is not productive because their body is not breathing. And that might be the way we approach Sabbath. Like, you actually, you know, you went to bed and and you closed your eyes. You came to church, you sang the songs, but you actually never inhaled the rest that God wants you to have. So you rested from, but you failed to rest in. And Sabbath is both. Sabbath is both those things. So as God created from uh, his completion of, his, his created creation was complete. He said he rested from his work. So he rested from his work of creation. And we rest in his work of redemption. And it's such a beautiful picture. It's right there in Genesis 2. So in Genesis 2, we have God, the day after he makes man, resting from his completed work, and then inviting humans into that rest. So we have this picture of righteousness by faith, because Adam wakes up, and he's invited to rest. He hasn't done a thing. He's resting in something, not from something. He has nothing to rest from. The first Sabbath was purely resting in. And what was he resting in? God's completed work. So if you've ever <laughs> struggled with thoughts of salvation being by works, that is, a, that is a restless feeling, right? I have to save myself. The Sabbath, the very first Sabbath of human experience, had no work to rest from. It was purely an invitation for humans to rest in the completed work of God. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is an invitation for you to rest, not in the work that you did so well, but in the completed work of God for redemption. Every Sabbath should be a message of the gospel lived out in our calendar. (laughs) Our calendar, because we come to this day and we say, I am resting for my salvation and my spiritual sanity. What I'm resting right now in is the fact that it is done. He has completed the work. My salvation was completed on the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm going to rest in the completed work of Christ. You know how powerful that rest is? That's a rest, I mean, you could be being physically tortured for your faith, and nothing can take the cross away. You can rest in the completed work of Christ in the worst of physical, emotional situations on this earth. There's nothing the the enemy can do to keep us from resting in something that's already complete. That's what the Sabbath is. Don't just rest. I mean, I hope that you rest from your work. But more than clocking out from your job, that's like step one. That's a means to an end. Come to Sabbath, As an opportunity to rest in the completed work of Christ. Let it be a spiritual inhale of the gospel. We find this in Hebrews 4. It talks about a rest. It says there remains a Sabbath rest. And you read through, I think it's four or five times. You read through verse 1 through 10. Every time it says whose rest it is. It says his rest. Interesting. We rest from our work to enter His rest. Which means it's another level. So if it was my rest, it might depend on how well I could clean the house on Friday and how good we could prepare some food and how early we could get to church. That would be my rest. Like everything I can do to rest. We don't just rest in our rest. We rest in His rest. A supernatural rest. So... What aspects, I want us to reflect on this, what aspects of God do you most need to rest in? Because God is a God of so many good things. Maybe it is a God of peace you need to rest in or a God of wisdom you need to rest in. So this is rhetorical for now because we don't have time to answer here. But really, think about it. What aspects of God today do you just need to rest in? And what realities make it a struggle for you to rest in God? And then, what aspect, and then finally, how has our study of rest helped you to see that the Sabbath is for you? So a theme verse of our next five weeks is is on the graphic. It says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know who said that? So Jesus said that, and it's an incredibly smart thing to say. So he's telling us in two short phrases a beautiful thing about the Sabbath that is actually made for uh, you. (laughs) The Sabbath was made for you. And one of the reasons is to give you the rest you need so you don't die. (laughs) So you don't work yourself to death. So how have you seen in our study and in your study of rest that God actually made the Sabbath for you and you actually desperately need it right now? (laughs) Because we've pushed ourselves way too hard. So that is our reflection. Now I'm going to push you one step further, and this is, we're going to end each message with just a challenge of rhythms and rituals. You know, God can give us holy rhythms and rituals in our lives. So I want you to think about what you could do in your home and in your life and your weekly routine to make resting in the Sabbath a spiritual reality. So what weekly rhythms or rituals could you practice to help you rest from your work? And what weekly rhythms or rituals could you practice to help you rest in your God? Oh, he is so good. We're going to close. I just want to share an illustration that I, I heard. I've been reading a story, listening to a story, about sharing Christ in hard places. So the man in the story interviewed people who were living under very oppressive communist rule, and he wanted to know how they live in these situations, heard incredible stories and one time he was received a challenge that was a rebuke that ran in his ears he was going home to kentucky where he was free to worship and do anything he wanted spiritually and the man says to him after hearing all these stories of imprisonment and pain and loss and death he says to the man he says don't you ever give up in your freedom what we refused to give up in our persecution. Now, we talk about keeping the Sabbath under persecution. Like, we like to talk about that. Will I be faithful to keep the Sabbath under persecution? Well, what a shame if while I'm preparing to be faithful to keep the Sabbath under persecution, I give it up in my weekly routine when I have spiritual freedom. Like, I do not. I refuse to inhale spiritual life on sabbath when i was perfectly free to do it in a corporate way any way i wanted don't give up in your freedom what others refuse to give up in their persecution and right now we have freedom to worship on the sabbath let's make the most of the beautiful blessing god has for us to rest and help each other to rest and to dig in with no worries of people attacking or taking us away, we have a beautiful opportunity to rest in a crazy world that needs it. And Sabbath is center stage in offering us that spiritual rest. So we're going to close with a song and a benediction.